heaven West Virginia Blue Ridge Mountains Shenandoah River Almost heaven West Virginia Blue Ridge Mountains Shenandoah River Life is older Older than the trees Younger than the mountains Growing like a breeze Country roads Take me home To the place I belong West Virginia that song who wants to say far out there we go take me home I like the phrase in that song take me home to the place I belong I belong you belong here you belong here you belong here you belong here. So I continue through the re-series. I want to talk with us this morning about returning. Returning. It's been a process, hasn't it? Returning. Returning to gathered worship. Returning to ministry. Returning to groups. Returning to your life in Christ together. I am so incredibly, powerfully grateful for those of you who have found your way to return to the room. I understand that not everyone can do that yet. I understand that, and I respect that. I just want to say how incredibly grateful I am that you, you have figured out a way you, and, and, and different paths, different timings for each of you. But I can't tell you what an amazing thing it is to gather with you on Sunday mornings. To gather again as a home group in our garage. <laughs> I can't tell you what an amazing, powerful thing it is just to be where we belong together. I'm becoming increasingly concerned for those of our fellowship who have not found their way back, though they can, they could. I am grateful for those of you who have found your way into the room and into the parking lot, onto the property, because... Something's happening here, inside and out, when we're gathered together. I'm deeply concerned about those who could come back to gathered worship, but have not yet chosen to do that. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25, I want to show you something from 
from the word that I, I hope will not only encourage those of you who have found your way back, but will, will draw those who have not yet found their way back. Hebrews chapter 10, for those of you who are new, it sounds like it should be in the Old Testament because it's Hebrews, but it's not. It's actually in the New Testament, and it was written to people who were Hebrews who had come to find Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord of their lives. So they grew up Jewish. These were Jews living in Jerusalem, and they grew up Jewish, but as many of you realize, for centuries upon centuries, Jewish people were looking for the Messiah, and they were prophesied that Messiah would come. And so they were looking, they were looking, they were looking. Jesus came as the fulfillment of all of those prophecies, and so he was the Messiah. Now, many Jews, as you know from your Bible reading, did not receive him. But many did. And so there were, there were people who were Jewish who said, yes, he's the Messiah, and they put their faith in him. So they had all of the benefit of a Jewish heritage and understanding that Jesus Christ is the one we've all been waiting for. And they were living in Jerusalem. But as time was going on and the persecution was rising against believers, there were some who were, who were considering turning back. There were some who were considering abandoning their faith in Jesus because of the high cost of following him and claiming him as the promised Messiah. And so this book was written primarily to those Jewish believers who were thinking about giving up. Now, in this passage that I'm going to read, I want you quickly to notice what follows it by way of context, because with the explanation I just gave you, it's going to make a lot more sense to you than maybe it ever has before, if you've never heard that explanation. Verse 26 says, if we, keep, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. I don't like the sounds of any of that, do you? I really don't. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think a man deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified him, and has insulted the Spirit of grace? And when you read that out of context, it's so natural to become self-condemning, isn't it? It's like none of us that I know of have had our first perfect day yet. We have weakness. We have areas that are still not yet surrendered to the Lord in the ways that we want them to be, and we fail. And sometimes we fail knowing we're failing, yes? Can we talk? That's not what we want, but we recognize that as a reality of our lives. And so we read this, if we deliberately keep on sinning, then there's no sacrifice for us left. And that's terrifying, isn't it? Remember who he's talking to. And when he compares it to the law of Moses 
and who the Son of God is. He's saying, Jewish believers, if you give up on Jesus, you're cooked, you're done. You've abandoned the law already. You've moved from the law to the age of grace, and, and if you give up on Jesus and just deliberately keep on going, having walked away from the Jesus you once knew, having trampled him under your feet, there is no sacrifice left for you. Not the sacrifice of the Old Testament, and now you're abandoning the sacrifice of the New Covenant. And that's a very helpful context, isn't it? And it doesn't give us permission to give ourselves license to sin. We're whoo, sure glad that doesn't apply to me. Because I want to have my first perfect day. I get up every morning with every intention of following Jesus Christ with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. So do you. And I'm glad that in the midst of my failures, there's still forgiveness. I cling to the sacrifice of Christ. I don't abandon my faith in Christ. That's the, that's the hopefully helpful context of this passage. Now, Hebrews 10, verse 19, just before that. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, stop. Why do we have to stop? Therefore, Therefore, we have to stop to see what it's. Thank you, you may go. Therefore, so that's saying something was just said that it's playing off of. Well, what was just said? Well, it said that Jesus Christ is the ultimate sacrifice for all sin. There's no longer any uh, sacrifice necessary of, of lambs and goats and pigeons and doves. That Jesus Christ fulfilled all of that. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. This would have been an overwhelming thought for these Jewish believers. The most holy place, as some of you know, was the inner, inner sanctuary, the inner, inner, inner sanctuary of the temple, which was called the Holy of Holies. It was where the Ark of the Covenant was. Nobody ever went in there except one man, the high priest went in there one day a year. That was, no, you don't go in there. That's where God is. That's where the mercy seat of God is. Nobody goes in there. And so as a, as a Jewish person, you always relied on the sacrifice made for you by the priest. You bring your offering of sacrifice. The blood of that lamb was shed for you by the priest and then it was, it was laid there, but even that priest didn't go into the Holy of Holies. And so you are these many layers removed from the presence of God. And now he comes along, and remember, he's talking to Jewish believers, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, it, it's hard for us to embrace the power of what he would have been saying to them. You can come on into the presence of God. You can draw near to the presence of God. How? By the blood of Jesus. Are you trusting in the blood of Jesus Christ for your life today, yes or no? Yes. Then you can draw into the most holy place. By a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. So the new and living way, you see, Jesus isn't the dead way. When you sacrifice a lamb, it dies. 
When you sacrifice Jesus Christ, he rises from the dead. And so he is a new way and a living way that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, stop, slam on the brakes. Do you need to bring your lamb to the one of many priests who then kind of layered it up the line to the high priest? Who is the great priest over the house of God? Jesus. Who's, who is, the Bible says, the only mediator between man and God, but the man Jesus Christ? And so he says, you don't need that priest anymore because he's saying, believers, you don't need the priest anymore. Just come, come. The author is urging them to come into the presence of God. And let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. That was a reference surely to baptism. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Remember, these people were thinking about giving up. He said, let's hold unswervingly. That means don't look left or right. That means fix your eyes on the Lord and don't look around. Hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Who is the hope we profess? Jesus. Let us hold unswervingly to Jesus, for he who promised is faithful. So he's faithful to hold you. Now he says, you be faithful to hold on to him. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. I am so encouraged when I'm with you. I mean, some of you not so much, but <laughs> for the most part, I am so encouraged when I'm with you. <laughs> you spur me on toward love and good deeds. And I see what you're doing, and I see how you respond to an invitation to Operation Christmas Child. And I'm encouraged, I'm spurred on, that there's, there's a kind of spurring on, isn't there? An encouragement that happens in the gathered people, is there not? Let's spur one another on. Just by you being here is an encouragement to me and an encouragement to others. And he said in verse 25, And let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Just like last week, the end of all things is near. We must live every day, though it's the last day. And so we come together. He says, don't give up meeting. Let's look at verse 25. Where it says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. That doesn't mean if you miss church for a week, you're not a Christian anymore. Come on, we all know better than that, don't we? But if one becomes in the habit of not meeting together, bad things happen. He was talking to people who were thinking about giving up. And so as they were thinking about giving up, he's seeing that they're scattering and that they're isolating. They're distant. He said, let us not do that. Let us not do that. That an essential part of drawing near to God. Remember, the whole passage is what? About drawing near to God, right? And an essential part of that is to do that together. To do that in the gathered assembly. Who Something happens in this room when you're here that don't happen when you're not, okay? Let me put it that way. I mean, I can meet the Lord in this room. I surely can. Any of us can meet the Lord anywhere. 
But there is something powerful and special that happens when believers come together in faith. And Jesus said, wherever two or more come together in my name, there I'll, I'll, I'll be there. And so he comes. And I'm so glad to see you, Danny. And I'm so glad to see some of you that I'm seeing for the first time in a long time. I'm so glad to see you because there's more power in here than there was before. He says, let us not give up meeting together as some fall into the habit of doing. We have two strikes against us right now. We have uh, American individualism slash consumerism saying, you know, people change churches like they change grocery stores, right? I'm not saying it's not sometimes better to go to Kroger than Meyer. I'm not, I'm not saying it's never a time to do that. I'm just saying... You know, so we have that, and then we have this blasted pandemic. I hate this thing, don't you? I hate it. You should hear Elder Don Ivers pray against it. Man, he's on fire. And so the devil's setting people adrift. We're the lifeboat. I think the qu question that this passage just begs all of us, whether you're here or there, is are you as close as you dare get? Are you as close to God, close to the company of God, close to the presence of God as you possibly can be? I'm not saying that people, some people don't have mitigating circumstances that might say, right now I need to be out here. I get that. But I, I'm just saying to everybody, here or there, are you as close to God as you dare? Let me deal with a couple of questions briefly. Who should be returning on Sundays? And of course, I'm talking with your blessing to those who aren't here and thanking God for the opportunity to speak with them. Who should be returning on Sundays? Who hasn't yet? Well, I've got three answers for you. I want to say anyone who does not have compromising health issues who is not also otherwise strictly quarantining. Now, I, th I think I'm just talking to you, beloved, out there, that if, if you do not have compromising health issues and you have not chosen to strictly quarantine, like you're just going to hunker down and, at home, you're not going anywhere. If, you're, if you don't fit that, if you're going other places, then you should come here. You could come to the parking lot, never have to breathe anybody else's air. You could come in here. We have safely established this room. I think the second person who should come back is anyone who is otherwise out in population who is using church attendance as one thing they can do without. I've heard this. You know, church is the one thing I can control. I have to go to work. I get that. But I don't have to go to church. Okay, I'll follow that logic to this point. As long as you're not going anywhere else but work. Because if church is somehow down on the list, then the grocery store 
when you can have everything you need delivered to your house, right? You, we don't have to leave home. We can, we can have everything, every drive through every Amazon will have it for you today. So if you're saying, I'm not coming to church because I'm only going to work because I have to do that, bless you. But if you're saying, I am doing bunches of other things as safely as I can, but you know, church is one thing I can get at home so I don't need to come. To me, that's like you're living in a coastal city and there's a terrible storm coming on and you have to conserve electricity and you say, well, let's turn off the lighthouse. <laughs> to me, that's like saying, I don't have enough money to pay all of my bills. I think I'll stop taking my insulin so that I can keep my cell phone. It just makes no sense to me. And it's part of the deception the enemy's laying out there. And then one more group of people I think should come back, anyone who when they are being completely honest with themselves is saying something like, doing church from home is just so much easier. <laughs> Believe it or not, I understand. Woo! <laughs> you can quarantine me for two weeks anytime you want, baby, you know? Oh, I can't go anywhere. I have to stay on my beautiful farm and work on farm machinery for two weeks? Oh, come on. Oh, I can listen to one of Christian's great sermons while I'm drinking coffee and eating an English muffin? Over buttered with all melted down into the nooks and the crannies? Who knows what I'm talking about? Come on. Oh, I get it. Friends at home, I get it. Woo! And I'm not saying that there wasn't a move of the Spirit as I listened to Christian preach. I'm not saying that a bit. But it's not this one. It's not the one that's going on in this room right now. You know, I'm finding more and more that obedience to the clear teachings of Scripture is sometimes inconvenient. Very inconvenient. Now let me do another question. Who should not consider returning for Sunday gatherings at this time? Anybody who's sick. If you're sick with anything, stay home, okay? This, this virus is so insidious. If you got anything, just stay home. If you come in a compromise, go, stay home home. You have a cold, go to, you're, you're, you're compromised. You're open for more infection of COVID. So just, if you're sick, stay home. Please, please. Karen was getting a sinus headache yesterday. And she said, maybe I don't have to go to church tomorrow. <laughs> Took a couple of ibuprofen and felt better. Just kidding, you guys. Anyone who is in a high-risk category. Some of you with us from home should stay home. If you have a compromised immune system for any reason whatsoever, whether it be some past medical history, past medical process, 
or you have a generally compromised immune system, please stay home without guilt. Don't let this get you. Don't let the devil work on your head. That's why we're doing this for you. We're Grubhub. We're, we're Uber Eats. We're bringing it to you, baby, all right? And that's who we're bringing it to. God bless you at home. I think God's going to give you favor at home if you need to stay at home. And then the third group should not come back is anyone who cannot wear a mask. We're wearing masks. I don't like it. I learned more about how much you don't like it on Friday when Christian was preaching a funeral service here and Karen and I were sitting right there with masks on. And I said, this really sucks. I hate this. I don't like them but I believe in the science behind them. Can't wear a mask? Get one of those plastic shields, one of those welder's helmets, you know, whatever. <laughs> That's fine. If it's good enough for the NFL, it's good enough for us, right? <laughs> Just get one of those cool plastic things. I don't know where you get them. They're, I see them. They're available somewhere. Can't wear a mask. There's some people who cannot wear a mask. I mean, it's like, I can't breathe. I get that. Okay. Get the plastic thing. Pretend you're an astronaut. Walk like this if it helps when you come to church. Come on. There's a solution. If you cannot wear a mask. Unless you're a person who will not wear a mask. And that's the person I am trying so hard to understand. I really am trying to understand that. And I have listened and listened and listened to the arguments about why people will not wear a mask. And the one I think that it seems to be the most prevalent is, I will not wear a mask because it is an infringement on my personal freedom. That one I don't get. Because I live with all kinds of, you know, when I drove here today, I drove on the right side of the road. I'm really glad I did because I encountered oncoming traffic. I did not feel as though my personal freedom was being infringed upon because I didn't get to drive on the left side of the road. It makes sense. You know, if I were going on a camping trip, a hike, out in the western Rockies right now, and the ranger said, and by the way, you may not light a campfire... I would not consider that, why, I'll light any campfire I want, you just try, come on. The place is on fire. It just makes sense, doesn't it? Yes. Am I saying that if I light my campfire, it will say, no, but if we light thousands of campfires, something's going to go wrong. So we wear the masks. Someone has suggested to me, why don't you have a mask optional service? I understand some churches are doing this, that they, they designate one of the services as mask optional. I won't do that for two reasons. One, because I'm not going to subject our staff and our core of volunteers to that room because I believe in the masks. It's not just about you. 
And the second and bigger reason I'm not going to do that is because the elders and I have been on our faces before God seeking direction, and our sense of his leading is wear masks. And you always say, I love this church because you all follow the Lord until we follow him in another direction, right? To those of you who are out there who do not see themselves in those categories, it's time to come home. Come on. It's time to come home. Every expression, every expression of New Testament believers finds them gathering together. (laughs) Every expression. Very good things are happening in this room, in this parking lot. I get good reports. And it's just too dangerous to go it alone. But here's the other thing. It weakens the church when you try to go it alone. You belong here. We will, of course, do everything we can to continue to bring church to those who cannot or should not return. We totally respect you. And we will continue to provide what we can to you. We will continue to provide the online devotionals. I'm going to have to cut my dog out of the cast, though, if anybody's going <laughs> to listen to anything I ever have to say. All kinds of feedback I get about my devotions. Hardly any about the content. It's always about the dog. I am just issuing a challenge to those of you who can return but have not. You can come tonight. Here's a fresh announcement. Tonight, and for the following two Sunday nights at 6 o'clock, I'm going to do something I think is going to be pretty cool in this room called Sunday Night Surge. Remember Surge? Oh, yeah. I'm going to show you a video clip of some length tonight. It's a 10-minute video clip of Dr. Tony Evans. And then we're just going to have an open discussion about church unity. And I will go so far as to say, I hope we can enter into a conversation about how to love your brother who sits across the aisle as we approach the election. (coughs) So Sunday nights are going to be about that. It won't be long. We'll show a clip and we'll talk and pray and go home having been together. Six o'clock tonight. But some of the believers in Jerusalem were on the verge of giving up. They were just on the verge of just giving up. And to those people, God said, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. God bless you guys for being here. I mean what I say about the joy it is to see some of you, some of you I haven't seen in a while, and just what that does for my faith and for the faith of others in the room. Father, we invite you to come now and see our hearts and hear our prayer and move us to places of profound commitment to you. In the name of Jesus, amen. God bless you guys.